Anne had been a fortnight at Green Gables before Mrs. Lynde arrived to inspect her. Mrs. Rachel, to do her justice, was not to blame for this. A severe and unseasonable attack of grippe had confined that good lady to her house ever since the occasion of her last visit to Green Gables. Mrs. Rachel was not often sick, and had a well-defined contempt for people who were, but grippe, she asserted, was like no other illness on earth, and could only be interpreted as one of the special visitations of Providence. As soon as her doctor allowed her to put her foot out of doors, she hurried up to Green Gables, bursting with curiosity to see Matthew and Marilla's orphan, concerning whom all sorts of stories and suppositions had gone abroad in Avonlea. Anne had made good use of every waking moment of that fortnight. Already she was acquainted with every tree and shrub about the place. She had discovered that a lane opened out below the apple orchard, and ran up through a belt of woodland, and she had explored it to its furthest end in all its delicious vagaries of brook and bridge, fir coppice and wild cherry arch, corners thick with fern and branching byways of maple and mountain ash. She had made friends with the spring down in the hollow, that wonderful deep, clear, icy-cold spring. It was set about with smooth red sandstones and rimmed in by great palm-like clumps of water-fern, and beyond it was a log bridge over the brook. That bridge led Anne's dancing feet up over a wooded hill beyond, where perpetual twilight reigned under the straight, thick-growing firs and spruces. The only flowers there were myriads of delicate June-bells, those shyest and sweetest of woodland blooms, and a few pale aerial star-flowers, like the spirits of last year's blossoms. Gossamers glimmered like threads of silver among the trees, and the fir-boughs and tassels seemed to utter friendly speech. All these raptured voyages of exploration were made in the odd half-hours which she was allowed for play, and Anne talked Matthew and Marilla half-deaf over her discoveries. Not that Matthew complained, to be sure. He listened to it all with a wordless smile of enjoyment on his face. Marilla permitted the chatter until she found herself becoming too interested in it, whereupon she always promptly quenched Anne by a curt command to hold her tongue. Anne was out in the orchard when Mrs. Rachel came, wandering at her own sweet will through the lush, tremulous grasses splashed with ruddy evening sunshine, so that good lady had an excellent chance to talk her illness fully over, describing every ache and pulse-beat with such evident enjoyment that Marilla thought even grip must bring its compensations. When details were exhausted, Mrs. Rachel introduced the real reason of her call. "'I've been hearing some surprising things about you and Matthew.' "'I don't suppose you are any more surprised than I am myself,' said Marilla. "'I'm getting over my surprise now.' "'It was too bad there was such a mistake,' said Mrs. Rachel sympathetically. "'Couldn't you have sent her back?' "'I suppose we could, but we decided not to. Matthew took a fancy to her. And I must say I like her myself, although I admit she has her faults. The house seems a different place already. She's a real bright little thing.' Marilla said more than she had intended to say when she began, for she read disapproval in Mrs. Rachel's expression. "'It's a great responsibility you've taken on yourself,' said that lady gloomily, "'especially when you've never had any experience with children. You don't know much about her or her real disposition, I suppose, but there's no guessing how a child like that will turn out. But I don't want to discourage you, I'm sure, Marilla.' "'I'm not feeling discouraged,' was Marilla's dry response. "'When I make up my mind to do a thing, it stays made up. I suppose you'd like to see Anne. I'll call her in.' Anne came running in presently, her face sparkling with the delight of her orchard rovings. But abashed at finding herself in the unexpected presence of a stranger, she halted confusedly inside the door. She certainly was an odd-looking little creature in the short, tight, wincy dress she had worn from the asylum, below which her thin legs seemed ungracefully long. Her freckles were more numerous and obtrusive than ever. The wind had ruffled her hatless hair into over-brilliant disorder. It had never looked redder than at that moment. 
"'Well, they didn't pick you for your looks. That's sure and certain,' was Mrs. Rachel Lynde's emphatic comment. Mrs. Rachel was one of those delightful and popular people who pride themselves on speaking their mind without fear or favor. She's terrible skinny and homely, Marilla. Come here, child, and let me have a look at you. Lawful heart! Did anyone ever see such freckles? And hair as red as carrots! Come here, child, I say. Anne came there, but not exactly as Mrs. Rachel expected. With one bound she crossed the kitchen floor and stood before Mrs. Rachel, her face scarlet with anger, her lips quivering, and her whole slender form trembling from head to foot. "'I hate you!' she cried in a choked voice, stamping her foot on the floor. "'I hate you! I hate you! I hate you!' a louder stamp with each assertion of hatred. "'How dare you call me skinny and ugly! How dare you say I'm freckled and red-headed! You are a rude, impolite, unfeeling woman!' 